Jeremy Warner here live in East Hartford as Illinois survives. There's no better way to say it. Uh, no style points in this one, but they beat UConn 31-23 to improve to 2-0. It's our second post-game podcast, and Isaac Trotter, we're at least talking about a second Illinois victory. It was about getting through unscathed this non-conference. So far, two for two, but I don't know how good Illini fans are going to feel about this one. Yeah, the road to six is definitely still alive, but that was ugly, and that was not what Illinois wanted. Obviously, getting down that 13-0 hole was a big problem, but then you, you score – uh, 23 points in a row. You're up. You're up at halftime, to, and you start to feel pretty good about yourself. But that start to the second half just really kind of curtailed everything yet again and made this a game. So you're two and zero. You feel all right heading into Eastern Michigan because you have a chance to go three and zero into the Big Ten play. And you see Nebraska loses today. You see Minnesota doesn't look that great. They'll play tonight against a, a good Fresno State team. Um, so there's opportunities still on the schedule, but. You know, you're favored by 21 points. They're starting a red, uh, freshman quarterback that didn't have any other Power 5 offers. And 31-23, not great. Yeah, this isn't going to make you feel better about the team. And I think every game we're going to sit there and go, okay, is this a bowl team? Uh, against Akron they were, right? If they play like that against Minnesota or if they play like that against uh, maybe Purdue or Nebraska or something like that. I know Nebraska was really good today, but like they have a chance to make a bowl game. Um, but you're not going to get consistency out of this team. And to come on the road and win, it's always tough, but it shouldn't be at UConn if you're a bowl team. And I think we saw again today, Isaac, that this team hasn't arrived yet. They haven't had that arrival moment. This certainly wasn't that, even though it's an improvement over the past, right? Last year's team might lose this game. Two years ago, they definitely lose this game. So at least you have, as your Cardinals fans like to say, a happy flight. But boy, they had every reason to lose this game if they're against a decent opponent, right? I mean, the turnovers you had, uh, the pick six by Brandon Peters was uh, atrocious, right? The two fumbles you had, uh, the penalties are the biggest thing, just wiping out uh, a lot of things. And I, I thought the coverage is a big concern. I thought Rod Smith fell over the pass there late in the game. I didn't think he had a very strong performance today. And you definitely missed Reggie Corbin and, and Mike Epstein in that rushing attack, and the O-line didn't dominate. So what is your biggest concern uh, coming out of this game, Isaac? I, I think the secondary is really, really a cause for concern for me. I mean, you have the injury to Tony Adams. He goes down. You talk to a couple people around him. They feel like that's not a serious injury, but we didn't think that Mike Epstein could have been a serious injury last week. Some people around there were saying it, they might be okay, and we found out how that happened. So. The injury to Tony Adams is definitely a big cause for concern. Stanley Green gets a targeting penalty early in the first half, and he's out for the, the remainder of the game. And you just saw a freshman quarterback dice them up. And some people will, will, will say, well, he didn't score any touchdowns, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. That's, that's right, but he still threw for 275 yards. He still led a couple scoring drives. Illinois' defense only allowed one touchdown out of that, so they did bend, but they didn't break. But that's a big-time problem for me because I think Adrian Martinez destroys that. I mean, we've seen what Purdue did today. They, they dismantled Vanderbilt. Uh, Sindelar threw for, I think, five or six touchdowns again today. And if he's going up against that secondary again, he's going to dis dis destroy that as well. So I feel like the offensive line and the running game will find their – they're good, right? Reggie Corbin's just a really good player. You miss him. I think the offensive line wasn't great today. They'll bounce back. Those penalties, those are things you can clean up. I don't foresee Brandon Peters throwing a lot of pick sixes this year, but that secondary, that, that was not very good at all. And You can have a, a front seven that you feel pretty decent about, but if the secondary can't hold up or they're playing so soft coverage and teams are picking them apart, it could be a really, really long season in, in the Big Ten. 
I think with Lovey Smith, and he he said after the game he was disappointed in, in how that all went uh, on the defensive side of the ball and pass coverage. But I, I think part of it is by design. They don't want to give up these big plays, right? And, and kudos to them. They, they didn't give up a bunch of big plays, but they gave up big chunks, right? So they did bend at times during this game. And uh, my concern is once you get into better opponents, like, like we're talking about Nebraska, Minnesota here early, you're not going to dominate like the running game that you have. The run defense has been awesome these first couple games. What did UConn rush for, 12 yards today or, or something like that? Akron barely got anything against them. I don't think it's going to happen against Big Ten play. So I think you're going to start to see these 450. Do we get to see a 500-yard total? So, yeah, that pass defense, uh, they made some big plays when they needed to. Dele Harding with a big one. Michael Marques uh, with a big one towards the end of it. But I do think that's probably my biggest concern because I, I think Rod Smith earned a little bit of trust even though it didn't have his best performance today. Uh, Brandon Peters bounced back in a huge way. Um, and, and I think, you know, that running attack, I do think will get going. I think the offensive line has kind of earned your trust a little bit. So, yeah, I, I still think defense is, is my big concern, especially when you give up almost the same amount of points to UConn that Wagner did, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I think that it comes down to trusting the athletes that you have on the outside. I feel I, I'd like Lovey Smith to trust Quan Martin and Nate Hobbs to be able to play press coverage on the outside and shut some guys down, especially, I mean, you're going up against an Ardell Brown guy who's the leading receiver for UConn, and no shot at Ardell Brown. He's obviously a good player at seven catches for 81 yards today, but that's a Division II kid who's transferring up at, to the FBS level. You should have Nate Hobbs or Quan Martin, whoever's guarding him or shadowing him, be able to play press coverage and feel like you're okay. Nate Hobbs is one of the best athletes you have on the team. So is Quan Martin. So if you're so worried about these big plays, that, I don't know if that, that bothers me quite as much because I feel like Nate Hobbs and Quan Martin aren't going to be run by anymore, right? They're not going to get beat deep by some of these wide receivers just because of the speed that they have. That, that's more philosophy-based. That's more coaching-based than it is players-wise. So, obviously, the execution of the safeties wasn't great today, and you're playing Michael Marques, and, and you're playing some of the, the depth here, and, and you really need a Sidney Brown to come back and be healthy. But if this pass defense doesn't get better, I mean, UConn, move, or UConn moved the ball passing-wise well. Akron moved the ball passing-wise really well at times, too, and they're a horrible team. They, they played horrible today against UAB. So those are two of the worst teams that you're going to play all year, and they're moving the ball in the pass game. That, that's really concerning. Yeah. Um, now – Trying, trying to think of this, get, there, there are a few positives I want to get into, and, and it all starts with the transfers, right? Um, how yeah. concerned, though, are we with the running backs behind Reggie Corbin? Because we, we think this is a, a strength, right? And, and they talked about that. Rayvon Bonner, outside of that one touchdown, and he got a penalty after it, um, that he didn't have a good day running the football. Um, Jakari Norwood had one big run. Kenyon Sims had a nice, uh, you know, nice flash there with that 13-yard run, but then he fumbles. He recovered it, but he, he fumbles. Um, and Dre Brown, you know, got going a little bit, and then Rod Smith kind of went away from him, which I didn't understand. But um, do we think these running backs will be fine? You know, I think Corbin will be back next week. I think they really just want to get through this game uh, without him, uh, and they thought they could afford that. I would imagine he plays next week, but are these running backs as good as we think they are? Yeah, I think they're just fine. I, I don't have an issue with it. I, I think Rayvon Bonner's still a, a good player, but today wasn't a very good day. I liked what I saw from Jakari Norwood. Had the 150-yard run, finished with six carries for 62 yards. I thought Dre Brown did some decent things. But UConn was fully selling out to stop the run. That's why I think Rod Smith did fall in love with the pass a little bit, a little bit too much even on that last drive because UConn was full out. We're stopping the run. You're making you 
beat us with your arm. So I'm not too worried about this. I think the offensive line bounces back next week and gets things going. Reggie Corbin obviously coming back changes that. I will say if we want to talk positives, teams know what Illinois wants to do, right? They want to run the football. And when you have played teams like this, they're going to sell out and try to stop you and force you to, to beat you in the passing game. Illinois couldn't do that last year. A.J. Bush tried. He got a little bit better toward the end of the year, but they couldn't do it. Brandon Peters showed today that he can do it with his arm. He can beat teams with his arm. 22 for 33 today, 225 yards, four touchdowns, and just that one interception at the beginning of the game. That, that, and so I'll, I'll take that as a little bit of a positive. Boy, these transfers are really good. You know, Brandon Peters, the, the one big mistake, but boy, he just had a really good second quarter into third quarter. Um, I thought he was fantastic during that stretch. Four touchdowns. Uh, was a part of all three turnovers. Uh, you know, Dominic Stampley just dropped the ball. Didn't know the ball was supposed to be going to him, apparently. Um, and then, you know, you have uh, another turnover where the strip sack, where he didn't even see the guy coming, but it seemed like a running back breakdown uh, in coverage. But he was great. Amator Bebe with a couple of his touchdowns has been fantastic. But good Lord, oh, Wally Batiku, three and a half sacks. I asked him after the game if he knew who Whitney Merciless is because that's the last one I uh, defensive end to, to get three-plus sacks in a game. Five sacks through two games. I, I knew he flashed some of this during camp, uh, and we know he's talented given that he was a five-star. But I didn't see this coming, Isaac. I mean, this is every bit of a five-star kind of player. And with Roundtree's yeah. absence – they needed this so badly. And, and without him today, I don't know if they win. Without these transfers, th- this team would have lost this game. And, and um, Transfer you needs yeah. to keep being a thing because it has been monstrous for this team. Yeah, I can't agree anymore with, with that. I mean, I think Wale was terrific. I mean, Brandon Peters probably the MVP for what he did with those four touchdown passes. But if you were voting number two, I think Wale Batiku would have been that too. And he had three and a half sacks today, had two more quarterback hurries. And he could have had a few more because he was just getting held by big time towards the end of that game. UConn was trying everything they could to try and stay in front of him. So I am so encouraged and so impressed with what I've seen from Wale. We knew he was raw, but when you see his physical frame and you see his athleticism and you see how hard he plays, this is this is kind of maybe not what I expected, but I can understand why this is happening, right? You, you kind of see why this is making sense. And Batiku, all signs are pointing that this isn't going to end anytime soon. He is getting after it. And today was another sign that these transfers are big-time piece. Trayvon Sidney tied for the team high with five catches, including a big one on third down late in the game that helped Illinois steal the win. Milo Eifler had seven tackles. That was tied for second on the team behind Bailey Harding and Nate Hobbs, who both had eight. He also had a tackle for or a half tackle for a loss. So those guys played really well. Richie Pettitbone had a, a nice block down the field on Rayvon Bonner's screen pass that went for a touchdown as well. So all six transfers started today. All six transfers played huge roles in Illinois winning. And you're right, if Illinois doesn't have these six guys, they probably lose today, and we're probably headed toward a 2-10 and 10 or 3-9 and nine season. These transfers are a huge, huge deal. Yeah, absolutely, Monsters. I got, I got to give a shout-out, too. Uh, I don't know if there's any deeper cuts you want on this, Isaac, but James McCourt's field goal at the end of the half, I, I mean, that, that proved to be a huge uh, point of the game, right? Because that those three points gave you a little bit of a cushion where the best UConn could have done at the end of the game was get a two-point conversion and send you into overtime. 
after that 30-yard field goal miss, I think we're all sitting there going, oh, is, is the, is, are they going to yank him pretty quickly? And is the leash going to be pretty short? He bounced back. It's a 53-yarder. It felt like it had 10, 15 yards on top of it that he could have made it. And, and he's been steadfast. I mean, I talked to him after the game. I'm going to write something up on him in the next couple of days. I mean, a lot of people are counting him out. And, and I know sometimes this staff in the past, maybe like, do they just want to free up that scholarship, right? Um, but he's come on. He's won this job over Caleb Griffin. Kudos to Griffin, who's been very supportive. He's always high-fiving his teammates after they come off. And, and James said that's been really cool to see. Uh, but James McCord, that's a big bounce back, and they're going to need that weapon if they're going to be in close games like we expect during Big Ten play. So I thought that was a cool moment. Absolutely. A huge, huge thing. I, I think another one I want to touch on, too, is the fact that Illinois Trent Seven came to play today. I mean, they held UConn to 10 rushing yards. I'm trying to go back through history to see find out where that kind of ranks. And the other stat is they had 12 tackles for a loss today. That's back-to-back games with 12 tackles for a loss. This defensive line was much maligned, but Patiku's been great. I mean, where would Illinois be without Patiku? Because you look at Carney today, Owen Carney had zero tackles. Isaiah Gay barely played at all. He had a couple tackles. So, with those two guys are guys we thought might start over Batiku, and Batiku's taken way over. There's no chance that he's getting pulled out of the starting lineup anytime soon. So I think the front seven of the defense has been a lot better than expected. Obviously, McCourt was huge, and you found a way to win on the road, and that hasn't happened in 12 years. So credit to Illinois for finding a way to get it done because I'll tell you what, this podcast would be a whole <laughs> lot different story if Illinois had lost this game in overtime and we'd be looking at this whole season a whole lot differently through a whole different realm. So six wins is still alive. There's this chance for you to build off that, but boy, today was not a, not a great day. At least they found a way to get happy play home. Yeah. Uh, I thought Jamal Woods too, two tackles for a loss. He's been pretty disruptive up front too. So I want to mention him. But yeah, I mean, think about this. If Illinois is sitting there and they are Owen or one and one, right? Like they don't come back. Like it's 13, nothing. They don't score on that drive. UConn takes a 20 nothing lead, and they can't bounce back from it. I looked at Scott Ritchie at one point and go, can they come back from this? And he's like, well, we'll see. And I said, I mean, can they come back from a loss? Like, so we're not talking about that, though, right? They are 2-0. They did show resiliency in what the middle – 30 minutes of that game, they were pretty dang good. Um, they've got to clean up things. You can't make those kind of mistakes. Um, and if they felt like they had arrived after that 42-3 game, this is a reminder that they haven't, right? So may- maybe in the long run, it's a positive that they kind of have a wake-up call and say, hey, we can't just show up and beat a team, even like UConn, even like Eastern Michigan, because they certainly can't do that during Big Ten play, Isaac. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, zero points in the first quarter, zero points in the fourth quarter, three turnovers, and nine penalties for over 90 yards. If you have that against Eastern Michigan, even Eastern Michigan next week, you lose that game. And if you have that against any Big Ten team, you lose that game. So the, the big takeaway today is the margin for error is still razor, razor thin. And this team can be very, very good at times. We saw it in that second quarter where they outscored UConn 24-3. to that's a, that's a really, really good football team. But there's also that that other side where Illinois is turning the ball over and shooting themselves in the foot and having holding penalties that take away first downs. That type of that version of Illinois doesn't win many football games this year. So they have to get more consistent. This is a big week for them because if they can take care of business at home against Eastern Michigan, you, you, that cleanses the palate a little bit. You kind of forget about UConn a little bit more. And now you look through the non-conference slate and go, okay, we've done our job. Now it's Big Ten time. Now it's time to go against teams like Minnesota and Nebraska who've looked a little vulnerable. 
All right, before I get out of here, I'm sitting in the press box looking over the uh, Red Shore field here. Um, just a UConn review. Uh, I thought the tailgating was actually pretty lively out there when we were coming in the stadium about three hours before. It was a gorgeous day out here, about mid-70s for the kickoff. The sun was shining. Um, so I thought that was pretty good. Once you got into the stadium, though, uh, it's kind of a worse version of Rutgers, which is bottom of the Big Ten when it comes to that. And the fans just, yeah, they're, they're not too into it. And I saw as there was a UConn player tweeting about how the fans weren't supportive enough during it. So um, they are improved. I thought coming in they were better than UConn, and some people fought me against that. But, you know, they hit the transfer portal too, uh, so they're getting better. But they're not going to win many games because that's just not a very good team. So y- you escaped it, uh, Isaac. But at least they're 2-0, and man. Because you could, could you imagine yeah. – what this would be like the next couple of weeks. And really, come on, the next couple of months, if they would have lost this game, it would have been miserable. It would have been, it would have been horrific. I mean, practice this week would have been awful, awful, awful. So good, good they are too. Now, I got to ask though, you did some sightseeing though before the game. Where'd you go? What'd you see? I was just Hartford. I had like, I got in around nine uh, local time and couldn't get into the stadium until 1230. So I just decided to get like 10,000 steps in this morning. It was beautiful. It was like a quiet city. Um, it, it's uh, it's not that big of a city, uh, it's, but it's a state capital. So there are a lot of cool buildings. There's some, uh, some cool history stuff, but uh, nothing to write home about. Like Champaign is probably, you know, about the same size, maybe not as big as Hartford, but um, probably even cooler stuff to see. They had a nice little, it's called Front Street, you know, that has all these restaurants and bars and stuff, but it was like 10 a.m., so nothing was really happening. So not not a very lively city on a Saturday morning at 10 a.m. on the Eastern time here. Well, after uh, three hours of sleep and an early morning uh, flight, I think you deserve just a little bit of like a cozy little town to look through for a little bit. Well, back to, back to the hotel to the right and get up in the morning to fl- get a flight back. That's the, uh, that's the glamorous life here at Illini Aguirre. Isaac, thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you next time. Yep, sounds good. See you Monday. All right, right, quick post-game podcast here. uh, If you don't subscribe yet, get to uh, Alana Inquire, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get us, subscribe there. We'll be back next week. We'll kind of recap what we hear from practice, all those different things. And uh, go back and listen to the Isaac Trotter, Derek Piper podcast on Hoops. A lot of good stuff there. Until next time, this is the Alana Inquire podcast.